Greetings in Jesus' name. We welcome you to this broadcast again of the Living Hope Christian Fellowship of Cyprus. And we are very glad that today we can go to God's Word and learn about the goodness and severity of God. And this is primarily found in Romans chapter 11, verses 11 to 29. We are going to start this off with a little review and build up of our Bible study last Sunday with Angie. As he led the Bible study, which we already broadcast. But this is a different presentation now that since a review on the goodness and the severity of God to individuals. A very familiar passage is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see here God's goodness demonstrated and His love for all the world by coming down in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He became a man to become our Savior so He could die on the cross at Calvary. Also, this love is experienced individually by each sinner. Who is the sinner? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so individually, we can experience that as we declare that Jesus is our God and our Lord, and that He resurrected from dying on the cross after being buried for three days. Why? It says in God's Word very, very strongly. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It is very imperative that we make Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, this declaration is what the Bible means by believing in Christ. We know about the Holy Week celebration, and it is almost universally known that Jesus Christ became a man, Jesus Christ is God, and died on the cross. However, a greater portion of humanity would not like to recognize that and ad- admit it and confess that Jesus is God, especially um, many in the Arab nations. They are really against Jesus Christ. And even the Jews, they refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And there is repentance. When we return to God from the life of sin and self and submission to the world, that is repentance. Of course, along with repentance is confession of sin. And we don't have to enumerate all the sin we have committed. We only admit, we confess, we are sinners. And Jesus alone is our Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So coming to God is through Jesus Christ. And now this act is all expressed in John 1.12. Two words, keywords there, believing and receiving. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
so receiving Christ as our Lord, God, and King, and believing so, we become children of God. And to ignore Jesus as our Savior, it says the last part of John 3.16, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the other side of the coin. To believe is to have everlasting life. To not believe will perish. And John in John 12, 46, I am a light into the world, that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And so in repentance, we turn to the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. Now Jesus brings the light into the life of every believer. And so by receiving that light, we get out of darkness and remain in the light and no longer abide in darkness. We can not live both in the light and darkness. And so the reality of remaining the light of Jesus is retaining the word. And it says in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. So by the Bible and the verses in our heart, it keeps us away from sin. And then Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. It enlightens, brightens us and keeps us to walk in a straight and narrow way. In Joshua 1, 7 and 8, this is God's word to Joshua. And he's just about to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He had witnessed for 40 years the leadership of Moses, especially crossing the Red Sea and the many miracles that happened in the wilderness. And now Joshua trusted God and was able to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. And so now God talks to him, Only be thou, Joshua 1, 7 and 8, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn up from me to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then is the, shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's hard to be successful in the dark. But with the word of God and light, we are guaranteed good success. And definitely only Jesus can give the believer power over the clutches of darkness, which is the world, the sin, and the devil, which means it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is our human nature. And only Jesus, His Word, can lead us into the light and deliver us from the clutches of darkness. And in John 15, 4-10, written here, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Even a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And then men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Keywords here is abiding. Another translation is remaining in Jesus. Remain in me, in me and I in you. So here are basic principles from these two verses. Rather from these seven verses. Abiding or remaining in Christ is being vitally attached to him as a branch. Being attached to divine only by the skin, dangling from the vine is lifeless and fruitless. Maybe you have had experience when a branch is broken and hanging from the main vine or trunk. The branch has been broken by one factor or another, and it's only hanging by the skin or the peeling of the branch, and there is no element going in, and therefore the branch will wither and is fruitless. Now, being vitally attached to the vine that's Jesus is having, number one, as we have brought up here, by his words abiding in us. Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. And secondly, his commandments are kept or obeyed. We read about that in Joshua 1, 7, 8, and 9. That definitely Joshua is encouraged to observe all things and to meditate on God's word. And he will be prosperous and have good success. And finally, abiding in his love. Abide in me and my words abide in you. Not by a chain, but by love. Worshipping Jesus. Coming to him, having communion with him. Enjoying his presence. That reality will make your Christian life bound, full of blessing and bountiful. Now, John 14, 16 to 18, we're introduced to another factor. How to make this abiding in Christ powerful. It reaches John 14, verses 16 to 18. And I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it see him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you, and shall, will not leave you comfortless. Jesus said, I will come to you. And make it straightforward before the, uh, in John 16, 5-11, as he was really preparing the disciples that he was leaving, and now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whether goest thou, but because I have said this, Things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and to see me no more. Of judgment, because... The prince of this world is judged. So we're introduced to another factor of abiding in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit called the Comforter. Another name is the Spirit of Truth. It says here in verse 17, He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
I will not leave you comforted. Comfortless. In other portions of the scripture, it said, Jesus has made our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that resides in us. Now, we know in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But now, it says in John 16, that when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What that means, he, the Holy Spirit, will bring you and me to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brings us to the Father, and the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He will not leave us comfortless. He will be in us. Now from the Bible helps, we have this explanation as to what is meant by the comforter. Now it is from the Greek, which is the original, it is one who is summoned, called to one side, especially called to one's aid, just like a lawyer. And so the role of the comforter is like a lawyer. And so when there is an accident or there's a crime done and we are suspected to be the cause of the crime and the officers come and arrest us, we are not supposed to give the answer or come to detail. We can say, I call for a lawyer. I want a lawyer. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who will stand for us. Now here are a few things that will come into play. Number one. One who pleads another's cause before a, a judge, he's the pleader, he counsel for defense, he's the legal assistant, he's an advocate. So his role here is to be able to speak, to give the details before the judge, and to be able to give the picture in the right perspective. Being aware of the law, he will not say, Anything that will harm the case, but will only present the case. And for you and me, the Holy Spirit will not defend us. We are sinners. But His defense is because we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. He is the gift of God. And in Romans 8, 26, the Holy Spirit will witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So here is the role of one, the comforter. He will plead our cause. And another understanding of one, one who pleads the cause, pleads another's cause with one, is like the intercessor. In the, in the case of Jesus Christ, his exaltation to God at the right hand, pleading with the Father, can say, yes, this person, acknowledge me as his Lord and his Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit will give that witness in that person's heart. Jesus is talking to the Father, and now the Holy Spirit is confirming to us what a wonderful role the Spirit is. We are not pulling legal documents, but the Holy Spirit himself knows what is in our heart. And in the widest sense, the comforter means a helper, a socorer, an aider, assistance, the assistance of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after the 
ascension to the Father. And so the empowerment, Jesus, by example, by miracles, and by teaching, brought the apostles to believe in Him as the link to the Father. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit confirms that Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And that's the work of the Comforter. Now, yes, God is a great God. He blesses the goodness of God. Now we come to the other side. It says in John 1, 14, But as many as receive him to them, and I know, 1 John 1, 14, And the word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the first part of grace is like the blessing of God. And of truth, it is His severity, the righteousness, and the holiness of God. So here it is applied not to individuals in Romans 11, 11 to 16, but rather it is applied to international rules and God's dealing with humanity. Humanity is divided into two, the Jews and the Gentiles. If you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Many of us are Gentiles who are listening right now. And so reading from Romans 11, 11 to 16, verse 11 starts, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, referring to the Jews? God forbid, but rather through their fall, the fall of the Jews, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them, provoke the Jews to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more the fullness talks about if by the falling away, the rejection of the uh, Jews of God, it will bring blessing and now more fullness if they return. And I read on, for I speak to you Gentiles. Now he's addressing to the Gentiles, to us Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, wrote Paul, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke emulation, them which are my flesh, the Jews, and might save some of them. For if the casting up away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruits be holy, the lamp is holy. And the root is holy, so are the branches. So from this we hear, read here some principles. Israel fell. They went into idolatry. While they were in, Israel, in Egypt. And even when they were delivered from Egypt. And they crossed the Red Sea. And there, when Moses went to meet God up in the mountain. They created the golden calf. They again were in idolatry. And they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. When Jesus was claiming he was the Messiah, they said, We know your father is Joseph. We know your mother is Mary. You're no one. You're just a plain carpenter. They rejected Jesus. 
and to them it was really great sin. Now, salvation came to the Gentiles because they turned their back, and it started at Pentecost, especially in when Jesus ascended back to heaven. He said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have said unto you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. But Jesus had gone back to heaven. And as you said earlier, the Comforter now will represent Jesus to us today. And so it was at the day of Pentecost that Peter preached. Peter did not learn how to preach from the time that he was with Jesus. He did not, uh, they did not have session on how to preach. They only shared their experience. And the people were surprised at the time of the day of Pentecost. Jesus was speaking to them, through them, to the Holy Spirit. And the Jews were surprised. These are all Gentiles. And uh, how are they speaking our own language in our own tongue? Yes, these were people from Galilee, fishermen. And uh, they were surprised. But 3,000 at a time were saved. Why? It was not only Peter was speaking, but only about 120 speaking to over 3,000 about the Word of God. And from that big number of people, 3,000 believed and were baptized. And when is the time of the Gentile? When will it end? According to God's Word, we will find that out that it will be at the second coming of Christ. Now, polls have revealed that about 90% of the Jews will reject Jesus as the Messiah today. But after the marriage supper of the Lamb and all those from heaven will come down to earth with Jesus and for the millennium, the 1,000 years, it is primarily to be a witness to the Jews around the world. Jesus is now seated on the throne in Jerusalem and many Jews will turn to God. Now we'll see God's grace to Israel and the Gentiles found in verses 17 to 26 and this is very powerful and I'll take time to read it. And if some of the branches be broken off, that is how talking about the Jews, and thou being a wild olive tree, talking about the Gentiles, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. The Jews were broken off because of unbelief. They did not trust in God, they wanted idolatry, and they rejected the Messiah. But do not be high-minded, talking to the Gentiles now. But fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, the Jews, take heed, lest he also will spare nothing. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God, on them which fails severity, but toward thee, 
referring to the Gentiles, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, if you remain in his goodness, if you abide in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide, abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Hallelujah. The Jews have rejected Messiah. When they believe now in Jesus Christ, they will be grafted in. They are the natural branches of the holy tree. They will be grafted in. If we the Gentiles, because we put our faith in Christ, are grafted in into the body of Christ, the church. Now we be thou art out, cut out of the holy tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall this, which be the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conscience, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. Listen to this now, in the last part of verse 25 until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. When will that be? The fullness of the Gentiles will come in at the end of time. The time will be when the, the rapture was taken. That's the, the fullness of the Gentiles. Then during the millennium, it will be the fullness of the Jews. And then it says in verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. Take note of that. In Romans eleven twenty six. And so all Israel shall be saved. This is referring to those who are still alive at the time, at the end of the millennium, when the, in 1,000 years, you and I coming back from heaven, all Christians who are saved come back with the angels and declare in 1,000 years, Jesus is the Messiah. All those alive among the Jews shall be saved. So here are a few pointers. Believing Christians should thank God that we are grafted into the church, the Jews and the Gentile believers. Hallelujah. You and I, Gentiles, are the wild olive from the wild olive tree, a branch, and will be grafted into the true olive tree. Now, there's another thing I'd like to give a warning. Do not agree with some groups with the replacement theology that declare that the church has replaced the Jews. That the church of today is replacing the Jews. No. In Ephesians, you will read there, chapter 2 and 3, that the Jews and the Christians who believe in Christ in Christ is one church, one body. The middle wall has already been removed. The Jews have not been thrown out. The believers among the Jews not thrown out. They are put also in the church. We are one. We are one body. And be one finally that if God's grace, that if by God's grace the Christian Gentiles have been grafted into the church and boast against the unbelieving Jews, the same cutting off can happen to the so-called Christians. A real Christian will not hate the Jew. The, the real Christian is grateful to the Jews that through them the Messiah came. 
And the witness of the Holy Spirit is, as God's word says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love him. Thank God for the Jews that God brought up, that raised up, and through whom the Messiah came into this world. And through him, we are saved. And we are grafted into that olive tree. We belong to the wild olive tree, but by faith we are brought in. And the Jews, while they may have fallen from the olive tree, they will be grafted in back because they are the chosen people of God through whom the gospel came into this world. I trust that you will really be grateful to God that in His mercy, He reached out to us, starting from the resurrection of Jesus Christ and started on the day of Pentecost. And until today, so many Gentiles, non-Jews around the world, are turning to Jesus Christ. Keep on praying and keep on witnessing. Father in heaven, I pray that this will encourage every Christian to be grateful to you that we were grafted in, especially us Gentile Christians, grafted into that one body, the church, the body of Jesus Christ. And also, the Jews are coming in, although little by little, but in the 1,000 years, the millennium, more of them will turn to you. And those still alive, all of Israel will be saved. Hallelujah. We glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.